is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. We got some news to talk about today, boys. The Pittsburgh Steelers had themselves a little meeting with Melvin Ingram earlier today, and they didn't let Melvin leave without minting himself as the newest member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's right. Your Pittsburgh Steelers have landed, I'd say, a pretty big fish. It's at a least star. based on the fish that are still out on the market. Yeah. That's one of the bigger ones out there. Still. I still, even regardless of free agency start, I think he was a star considered by many teams. And the Steelers now have him playing at outside linebacker for them as he signed a one-year deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Still don't know the terms yet. We don't know how much money he'll be making in that season. And, you know, let's first start by just taking a look at really what Melvin Ingram can still bring to the table. This is a three-time pro bowler. So, you know, despite his age and the fact that he dealt with injury last season, you're bringing on a guy that has a lot of pedigree. Jacob, you mentioned he might even be just a borderline star in the I league. mean, three-time Pro Bowler, all within the past couple of years, I think in the past five It was five 2017, years. 2018, and 2019. Yeah, and so, he was hurt I mean, last year. Yeah, he was hurt last year, so there's no reason to believe that he couldn't have done it last year. Yes, the injuries kind of scare you, but the guy's been in the league since 2012. The fact that he's made the Pro Bowl three out of the past now four years, I think is a good sign. Here's one thing that is concerning, though. You did mention, yeah, there's no question that he couldn't have done it uh, a fourth straight year. One thing that I kind of paused a little bit at and didn't really, it didn't really make sense to me based on the pedigree of a player that he is. He did start in seven games last season. He didn't have a single sack in those seven games. And this is a guy that, you know, his low watermark since 2015 was seven sacks in a year. Mm -hmm. So even though he only played in those seven games, and we'll get to this a little bit more in depth, but. Just a little concerning that he didn't get a single sack in those seven games. Yeah, and also you have to consider he has less than 50 sacks across his entire, what, nine-year career so far. So, I mean, that's not huge numbers regardless of last year, or even if you consider last year. He's not going to put – he hasn't put up double-digit sacks every year. It's just not something he does. He's just someone who can disrupt. But, I mean, there are a lot of guys on the Steelers defense who don't – you you value – more than just the stat line that they produce. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I guess a silver lining would be that even though he wasn't able to stay healthy last year, they didn't see the need to not make him a starter this past season. He started in all seven games for the mm -hmm. Chargers. It just seemed to be that they had run their course with Melvin Ingram. But, you know, this might be just a little bit of catching lightning in the bottle here with the Pittsburgh Steelers, where they get a little lucky that this guy had a bad injury that really derailed his 2020 season. The Chargers trying to move on, trying to save money uh, in any spot that they can find because they know the clock's ticking on Justin Herbert now and the contract that they're going to have to give him. So guys like a Casey Hayward in the secondary are casualties. Melvin Ingram's not going to see a contract when he's coming off of a bad injury. Maybe the Steelers can get lucky and catch a guy who, you know, three straight Pro Bowls leading into 2020. Maybe he's got another two or three Pro Bowls left on his plate and they can really harness that kind of uh, – potential from him for the next couple of years in Pittsburgh. He might. And I, I when you look at his um you know, his resume the last from twenty fifteen on, there's only one, two, three, four years where he's played a, a full season. I guess his rookie year he played a full season, but as a starter, there's only been four of his, you know, seasons as in the NFL that he's been, you know, he's played only sixteen or all sixteen games, I should say. Last year he was hurt. Year before he was a Pro Bowler, only played in thirteen games, and then in twenty fourteen 
was a starter and only played nine games, as we said before, the injuries do kind of scare you. But, Tom, as you alluded to, when you look at the signing, this is a group that desperately needed some depth. And I think he still has some good football to play. Um, I know we'll probably get into this later, but um, will he be the starter over Highsmith? I, I don't know. But regardless, it, it definitely makes some sense. And when you look at um, Ingram, you know, he maybe he would have been a pro bowler. I don't know. In seven games, he didn't have a sack. So it was definitely an uphill climb. Um, I mean, you can look at the season that Bud Dupree had, or I'm sorry, that Devin Bush was having before his season-ending injury. It wasn't the most complete stat sheet, but you saw progression and you saw effectiveness, and it just didn't reflect across by, via you know real numbers. But you could still make an impact even if you're not making sacks. I mean, yeah, although he only had ten tackles in seven games. Yeah, he was really struggling so, last season, and yeah. probably the injury played a factor. He did have an interception though. And he forced uh, he just one interception. And he's got a history of playmaking. Uh, he's had a couple of interception streaks from 2018, 2019, 2020, where he's had to pick every year. Uh, he forces fumbles, 14 forced fumbles in his career. Uh, and he hits the quarterback, 108 quarterback hits, and he gets tackles for losses. So it's not like eye-popping numbers in the turnover department, but he gets his fair share of yeah. turnovers. He forces at least a fumble or two per season. So. When you have guys like T.J. Watt and hopefully Devin Bush and Minka Fitzpatrick making a majority of the plays, you only really need someone like uh, Melvin Ingram to add supplemental playmaking where, you know, a couple of turnovers here or there is all you're really asking. No, right. I mean, you're not – I think what it boils down to is you're not asking him to do that much. I think that even goes into the um, the conversation of him. He probably won't even start over Highsmith. Probably not. But it gives you an opportunity to have another guy to lean on when, when either, you know, Watt is tired, which we've seen – over you know the course of the last couple of years down the stretch, you know you have another guy that can go out there and and be serviceable. Um, you know he you, does. You can't really trust Watt to finish games off yet. No, I think no, that's a fair criticism. And the have. same the same can be said for Highsmith because we just right. haven't seen it yet. Um, so again, the, you know, is it, it is this a coverall? No. Are they still relatively thin behind um, behind Ingram? Absolutely. You only have what you know. You have Watt, Highsmith, and then and now Ingram. That's three guys. I mean, yes, if all of them stay healthy, you can deal with that, and then every once in a while have somebody else come in and, and spell. But when you have three capable guys, you know, it's definitely a much better spot to be in. Um, but I don't think you're going to ask him to go out and have nine sacks or, hell, probably even seven sacks. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, if he gets four or five, that's, a you know, and he comes in and spells guys, has some TFLs too, that's, that's gravy. I just think this is more, um, you know, again, do we know – I don't know if the story is complete on Melvin Ingram just because of the fact that he has been beat up and last year he was beat up and only 10 tackles in seven games. I don't care if he had an injury or not. That's not really good. bad. Yeah. No, um, it's not great. And But I, I still don't think, you know, as, as the number two guy, is Alex Highsmith really that locked in to be the number two guy? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very possible. I'm not saying it's not, Kellen. I'm just trying to throw in a hypothetical. Is there going to be moments in the season where you see flashes more of Melvin Ingram than you do see Alex Highsmith. Just because, I mean, yes, Alex Highsmith is a younger guy. He doesn't have this injury history that Melvin Ingram is now dealing with. And, yeah, I know we're not so pleased with the season he was having last year before a season-ending injury, but the guy was a pro bowler for three consecutive years before he went down with an injury last year. So, this isn't, I think, such an open and closed case. I mean, I think there's a possibility that you see some games where, yes, Alex Highsmith may get the start, but you could still see Melvin Ingram get maybe 45% of the snaps. 
I could definitely see that, and we're definitely going to get to that because I think it's a really ripe debate right now is who's going to be that second starting outside linebacker. But before we do, I was starting to you know do a little prep for our show tonight before I found out that Melvin Ingram had signed back whenever we were in the phase of he's just meeting with the Steelers. And I was kind of thinking, okay, well, what realistically price-wise could we be expecting to pay for Melvin Ingram? And the good news is is that the Steelers, with DeCastro's exit, they're actually in a decent spot with the cap. They're kind of right around the middle of the league. They have about $13 million that they can play with right now. Uh, That being said, before this, I even wrote down, you know, who's to say they really even want to play with that? Maybe you carry that over in the next year when you know your cap's going to even explode more. But they did clearly want to play with it, and they spent it on Melvin Ingram. We still aren't exactly sure of how much they spent of it on Melvin Ingram. Right. Uh, Spot Track had his market value at about $11.4 million, and that's pretty steep. That would wipe out most of the Steelers' cap. I have a hard time believing they spent that much. And I have a hard time believing that his value, that might have been his value at the beginning of the offseason, but now that we have worked our way through and you've seen teams kind of make their choices in the main free agency market, now we're kind of picking out of the scrap bin. Not to say that Melvin Ingram belongs in the scrap bin talent-wise, just saying after that injury, that's where you find yourself a lot of the times coming off of a big contract in a year where you really didn't prove anything at all and then finished it on the sidelines rehabbing. So that's why he finds himself in the position he's in. I think he can get it under $10 million. In fact, I kind of theorized when he was meeting with them and I was just kind of in my head thinking what would it take, I was thinking maybe you throw like a two-year, something like that, two-year $16 million at him, and maybe mm. he takes $8 million per year, which is a pay cut from what he's worth apparently. <laughs> But maybe he thinks of it, okay, I got two years, though, so there's a little extra security on top of that, and maybe you sweeten it that way. But it is a one-year deal for Melvin Ingram, and now it's just a matter of what that figure is going to be. $9 million, maybe? Do you think they could shave $2 million off of that? I mean, what's the lowest? Play this game, the basement you think they could get at. Like, What's the lowest you think is reasonable to see him signing a year deal for? Probably like seven or eight. I was thinking seven. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking seven, but I think that would be a pretty big steal for the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, it would be, and that's kind of best-case scenario. I just definitely don't see them paying $11 million for one no, year. No, I mean, it wipes out most of your cash. Right. If you get him at the seven, which we're not saying that that's a dream, you still have like six, seven million in cap right. to play with after Yeah, that. I mean, granted, no matter what you do, you still have at least something. You have cap, over. yeah. You're not paying um, them all. 14 million, 13 right. million. Um, which is a good thing. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'd probably say seven. Um, just because, as we said before, you know, has he had the, you know, last year obviously wasn't good, but he did make the Pro Bowl three of the last four. Um, there's definitely some pedigree there. So I'm, you know, I mean, he's worth something, obviously. That's but, a good point. The Pro Bowls, you know, you get into a room with an agent. That right, starts, adding, that say, starts yeah. adding zeros to contracts. Right. It absolutely does. And, you know, I'm sure the Steelers or whoever was looking at him was going to say, yeah, well, you know, you could play that game, but you've only played, you know, four complete seasons in your NFL career, too. That works against you. But, I mean, I think I think Ingram would probably, like I said, he's probably going to be around $7 million, $8 million, somewhere in there. But, again, um, it would it would absolutely shock me if it's over, like, nine and a half. It would shock I think me. it's one year, nine million. I think that's going to be my Fair. guess. That. I'm cool with it, but that just takes away, I mean, from the possibility of bringing in another name that's of the similar caliber or similar name recognition of Melvin Ingram. Like oh, the Malik Hooker thing is now off the table, I think. Which I think you really only had uh, room a chance of for getting one, one of those yeah. guys if you wanted to go that way. Well, that's anyway. what I was trying to say is that you could either get one guy and then get a, a piece like an Avery Williamson, really not going to do you much, or you can get two guys who are going to do somewhat good things for you. 
And I guess they went with this route. They wanted the difference maker, and then they're just going to add another piece. I think they still have to add one more. I don't know where it's going to come now. Probably in the secondary, you would hope, if they address the front uh, seven of the defense. Hopefully they're going to address the back four now. But it, it kind of takes away from the ability of you to get a legitimate playmaker in the secondary if you if you still wanted to pursue one in free agency. That's fine because I think they're pretty comfortable with the playmaking route as far as the safety's concerned with Minka Fitzpatrick and maybe right. hoping to get more out of Terrell Edmonds, whereas I think that they were more worried about, and I'm speaking more specifically about Malik Hooker, who you brought up there. You know, they're more worried about the depth that they have at the linebacking position and handing things over to Alex Highsmith. Just, you know, in we're going to get to the starting position battle, but even just to have a guy behind Alex Highsmith that would be pushing him. I mean, before they signed Melvin Ingram, it was literally just, here's the keys to the Ferrari. You've never driven a Ferrari before, but we completely trust you. Like, there was no driving test. There was no... <laughs> insurance plan right. on that car and now you have an insurance plan on that car with melvin ingram where if you know the wheels start to fall off of highsmith god forbid they don't but if they do you at least can throw somebody out there that's a veteran and done it before and you know when you start the game on sunday when ingram's starting it's not going to be like he stands no. out like a sore thumb where people are going to be able to point him and be like oh, that guy stinks i've never seen that he looks like an nfl player whereas in the secondary with malik hooker yeah it would have been nice but like edmonds plays almost every snap as it Right. is to begin with, and Minka doesn't come off the field much either, whereas Watt and Tysmith, they do a lot. Right. I think that's the biggest thing here. Like, when you look at, um, you know, it's not – if you put Melvin Ingram out there, it's not Cassius Marsh starting. I think that's <laughs> that's the biggest thing. Um, they were close it, to that. They were. They, they really were. If someone goes down, that's the realistic – you know, that's the realistic situation that you're in. Um, for me, I just think uh, this boils down to a depth thing, and I think, that, like, as you said, Tom, the Steelers were – much more comfortable with what they have in the secondary. Now, is that the right move? I don't know, but they were much more comfortable with what they have in the secondary than they were the depth at the outside linebacker position. I think that's a no-brainer at this point, and, and I think you'll see that with the money that they end up giving Melvin Ingram, if it is in the neighborhood of $9 million, that tells you, yes, I mean, you're probably not going to do anything else in free agency, at least nothing big. But I, I think that that definitely tells you, like, we're, we were really concerned if you lose Watt or you lose Highsmith for the year for an extended period of time, you aren't going to get anything from the edge rushers. I mean, if you lose if you lose Highsmith, they're going to be tripling TJ Watt. I know that frees up guys on the on the defensive line like you know Tuit and Hayward, but um, you aren't going to get anything from the edge rushers, and you aren't going to get anything from Cassius Marsh. You need to sack the quarterback. You need to get right. pressure on the quarterback. That's how you win in twenty twenty one. And when you, I mean, Melvin Ingram is miles better than Cassius Marsh. I mean, there, there's no. Miles, I mean, it's yeah. it's not it's not even a conversation. Um, so, I mean, regardless of, you know, why they brought him in, I think it's more for depth just to, you know, kind of save their own hide in case something happens. Um, but I mean, he is going to play a lot. I mean, there's no question. No, no doubt. Um, and I just, again, I think, I think it's a good signing. I think it's, it's mm. really, a really nice job by the Steelers. But to me, I think they're probably done in free agency at this point, but you know, if this is the only guy you get, this was probably one of the better ones too. No, I think it was a great signing too. Yeah. I agree. And it's something, you know. You really saw the Steelers go out with Steven Nelson a couple years ago and make a splash in free agency. And ever since then, they've been starting to do it more and more. I don't know if you've noticed that, but, you know, you get – it's not the big splash. It's not the cannonball right, yeah. into the pool. It's not, it's not just Davion right. Clowney. It, you know, it's Steven Nelson yeah. one year on a big contract, the biggest free agency contract awarded by a Pittsburgh Steelers organization. Uh, then you see Eric Ebron a couple years ago as well. Big mm -hmm. signing from the Steelers. You know, that's a name. And then you get this right. name here. So, I mean – it's a little bit of uh, more of a, a 
propensity to go out and spend in the open market that you never really saw from the Pittsburgh Steelers really in their history. Yeah. And hopefully that – I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole, but hopefully <laughs> that translates towards maybe when Big Ben decides to hang it up, if there is someone decent with potential on that market, you know, they're not afraid to flash that money around anymore. No. You know, that's something that – they're starting to ingrain in their identity as this is now the third straight year you've really seen them go out there and make a splash in free agency and Boy, not just kind of let you know things go by and maybe sign a depth piece here or a depth piece there. And next year, don't forget, I mean, they're going to have way more money to right play with. Right now, as it stands, they have the second most cap space in the league going into next year. Right. I mean, this year, obviously, you know, you're kind of limited with what you can do because you only had, what, what was it, like 14 mil or 15 mil, something like that. Um, so you're kind of limited to what you can do, and especially if you're giving Melvin Ingram nine – Next year, when the cap's going to go up, I, I I get your point, Tom, but it's definitely a different conversation next year when you have, what, $140, $150 million to play with next year. But it is a good sign that they have done this um, more recently and way more than any of us have seen in our lifetimes, for sure, um, the last handful of years. You, know, you mentioned, um, you mentioned um, Steve Nelson and now Melvin Ingram. I mean, I think that's – and Ebron, too – I think it's a good sign, um, but again, next year is just going to be so different just because mm -hmm. of the fact that there is so much money out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they can get a big fish next year. Yeah, right. huge. But Bigger now, than they have ever gotten. Now with this Melvin Ingram signing, you know there will be a position battle in camp between him and Alex Highsmith. Camp, by the way, starting in just a few days as they get things going on the south side Thursday, July 22nd. Can't believe it's here already. But there will be a position battle between these two for that starting outside linebacker spot. and. You know, put that aside for a second and just like the idea of this being the three-man rotation now because that's kind of the more – you're going to hear so much talking about Highsmith versus Ingram mm -hmm. throughout camp, and as preseason games start, you're going to see so many – well, he took this snaps with this mm -hmm. team and this snaps with that team, and Ingram played well with the second team. You're going to see a lot of that as we work our way towards cutdowns and finally getting a depth chart into place. I still could see, though, yeah, Highsmith – gets the starting job and he gets to say I'm Alex Highsmith Charlotte University on the right. Sunday night football graphic at the beginning of the games but I could still see a scenario where Ingram plays like two more snaps than him in that game yeah. or vice versa where the next it's, game Highsmith plays really, five more snaps than Ingram I think it's going to be very even yeah. between those two it's going to be a true three-man rotation mm, at the spot well with Watt too because right, okay. Watt will play 95 percent right. of the snaps it's there'll be a couple the, he gets it's toward the end of the half or the end of the second but half i think ingram and highsmith it might be a thing where tomlin just sees highsmith playing well okay highsmith gets the game right i think the next game has ingram's the playing hand. well okay yeah. ingram's in now it's going to be a true rotation there a, when, a platoon to steal baseball right if, if you when when you look back to last year and you said okay when the Seagulls went out and got avery williamson it was a okay this is a toss-up because both of these guys are Equally, I think, average or maybe a little bit less than average. I think here it's a something similar, but it's it's to the next level because I think both guys have a lot of potential and for different reasons. I mean, we know we know Highsmith is young and, and we obviously the Steelers liked what they saw because they wouldn't have spent such a high draft pick on him two years ago. And with Melvin Ingram, you know he's a capable pro bowler. It's just last year the injuries kind of derailed that. And when you bring in a guy like Melvin Ingram, you're not bringing in a guy like Avery Williamson where it's just a guy to have as the third official outside linebacker because you know uh, that you know that 
Highsmith is is far better than a guy like Avery Williamson. When it's Melvin Ingram, I really think it's a toss-up. I think you just have to go with whoever has the hotter hand. And I think it's a good problem that the Steelers now have because it's not just bringing in a guy that's a no-name, that's just going to be there as a death piece whenever uh, TJ gets a little tired, then you move uh, Highsmith to the number one for the rest of that game or whatever stretch you need him for, and then you bring in the third guy. I think this is going to be a big toss-up. I think it's not going to be an obvious answer between who gets to start majority of the time between Highsmith and now Melvin Ingram. Regardless, I think, uh, regardless of who it is, it, both, or I should say all three guys, not both, but all three guys, obviously Watt, as you said, Tom, he's going to play 95% of the time. Um, but whether it's Ingram or Highsmith, I don't really think it matters just because of the fact, as you said, it's almost a platoon situation. They're, yeah, I don't think it matters either. No, I But mean, I don't think it's a for sure thing, as you said it was earlier, that it was going to be Highsmith who gets to start. 95% of the time. I think, I mean, I do think that he's going to start 95% of the time. Does that mean that he's going to have more snaps all the time or more, you know, more shine? No, that doesn't necessarily mean that, but I do think he's going to be the starter absolutely to start the year. And, you know, I mean, obviously if he struggles and that's, I think every Steeler fans and really the Steelers in general, I think that's their worst fears. Yeah. You don't want either of these guys. You don't want it. I mean, for different reasons, you could say you want one guy to step up and be, I can be the number one starter, but you would also like it to be both guys that step up, right? Because I think they both have the potential to do so. No, I know, but what I'm saying is is, is Highsmith, I think it's everybody's worst fear, is that if he doesn't step up, yeah. that means, mm -hmm. you know, I, I guess it, a little less is on his shoulders now because you have the insurance policy in Ingram, but he's the guy that needs to step up, and I think, you know, the Steelers I, going into this season – um, they were putting a lot of pressure on him. This is a great signing because of the fact that there isn't as much pressure on Highsmith now with, with Ingram behind him. I mean, I guess that's a double-edged sword because maybe he's feeling a little pressure now more so because, you know, you have him behind you and, and will you start? I, I personally don't think that's going to happen, but I, I do think Highsmith's going to get the majority of the, of the shine, the majority of the starts. But regardless, Ingram's going to play and he's going to have a factor on the team, um, you know, if if this blows up, I, I I don't I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't really see a scenario in which this blows up. I don't really see a scenario in which Ingram can't play anymore or anything like that. I mean I know last year wasn't a ringing endorsement of of who he is. I mean ten games right. or seven games, ten tackles. That's that's not great. But I, I do think he's going to have an impact on this team regardless of whatever role he's in. No, I I agree completely and. Honestly, to take it even a step further, I think currently, I do agree with you, Kellen, that Heisman's going to be the starter when the season starts. But I think as they stand right now, not saying potential for their careers, as Ingram is towards the end of his and Highsmith is just starting his, but I think the ceiling in just 2021 is higher for Melvin Ingram than it is for Alex Highsmith. I think that Alex Highsmith can be good this year. I don't know if he could reach a Pro Bowl level. I just think he still has a learning curve that he has to go through, and there's a lot on his plate for such a young player, whereas on the other side of it, I feel like Melvin Ingram could come in after spending most of his, all of his career with the San Diego and then L.A. Chargers. Mm -hmm. He's been there on that team since 2012. So basically a career Charger. Uh, got hurt. The Chargers totally kind of redid that defense. They have more... Uh, elite pass rushers like a Joey Bosa now, who's the face of that for that team. So they were able to make you expendable. Uh, you just made three straight Pro Bowls before you got hurt in 2020. So you certainly think you can still play. You come to an organization like Pittsburgh where 
yeah, the Chargers were good in his tenure the- there, but he had to go through a couple of rebuilds the past couple of years, whereas now he's in Pittsburgh and you're competing for a playoff spot this season. Maybe he feels a little bit of a rejuvenation, and I think he could maybe reach that Pro Bowl level if for the last time, maybe. But I, I think this year in a vacuum, 2021, your ceiling might be higher with a Melvin Ingram. It might be, and I think that's fair. I think I think that's a good point just because of the fact that we – Again, we don't know what Highsmith really is yet. I know the Steelers are high on him. I know the expectation is for him to come in and, you know, them to not skip a beat. I know that's, you know, how the Steelers think, and that, and that's the right way to think. But can you expect that? I don't know. Um, I I do think that the ceiling is probably higher for Ingram, but that's just because, you know, that's because we don't know what Highsmith is. And a point I think a lot of people aren't talking about a lot about Highsmith is the fact that, you know, last year he saw single coverage a lot. And he didn't get home a whole lot. I mean, he, he, he made his plays, don't get me wrong, and he made an impact in, in games. But he wasn't, you know, again, he's just a rookie, and he didn't expect to be in that situation last year. But a lot of times when he was getting single blocked, he wasn't getting home. Um, so I, I think, you know, you flip that role a little bit if you put Mel- Melvin Ingram in that. I think he gets home more just because of the tenure, because he's been in the NFL longer, because he's more experienced. Um, granted, that could all flip on its head this year, and Highsmith could be an absolute beast, and then – we're not even talking about this conversation anymore. But, uh, you know, I do think that the ceiling is higher for Ingram, but obviously for a career and for well past this year, it, the ceiling is way higher. Way for higher Heisman. for Heisman, I don't know, course. but about this year, I don't know if I agree with you 100% on that, Tom. I think the ceiling is kind of even for both. I mean, you have to consider the season that Melvin Ingram had last year, where, yes, it was his first time not being a pro bowler, but it was – I mean, I, I said earlier, it's possible he could have reached that that peak again in twenty in twenty twenty had he not been injured. But it didn't seem like he was on that trajectory, or trajectory, sorry, uh, up until that point because you guys said he only had I think ten tackles through seven games, which isn't anywhere close to a Pro Bowl resume. So I think just going off of that, if that's any reason to be concerned, I think that that levels the playing field a little bit in terms of their potential just for 2021. Of course, Callum makes a great point over a career. You have to give it to Highsmith just because he is so many years ahead of him than knowing he's 32. Knows. Yeah. Yeah. So he's already at the end of his career. He probably has another three really Maybe. good years yeah. left if he's able to play at a high level. And that's if he gets hurt, doesn't get hurt again. You True. know what I mean? He only played seven games last year. Which could definitely happen. One tricky sure. thing with Highsmith is you. part of me would say, you know, it might be nicer for his development if he is that third fiddle and he's kind of getting snaps on both sides of the ball, mainly on Ingram's side, but occasionally on TJ Watt's side as well. Uh, maybe, you know, break him into the NFL a little bit smoother, less pressure on him. That can help his growth, but... There's the other side of that coin, too, where if there's a player that's ready and you have him in that third spot, you can really stunt his growth and you can really stunt his potential by having him on the bench and not getting enough reps that he needs to really make an impact. I mean, to pull again from baseball, you know, if you have a guy who's ready to come to the majors, but you keep him in the minors for too long, you can start doing a little bit more damage than good because he's just not going to get any better from playing against lesser talent. So. Not to say he would be playing against lesser talent. It's a different sport being in right. the third fiddle spot, but just being uh, limited in his reps against teams in the regular season, if Highsmith is ready to take on that mantle, could end up doing some more damage than it would be good because 
you could really hit the ground running with right. him if he's ready, but you're going to stunt him by keeping him on your bench. And quickly, I know we, we got to wrap up here, but that's right there is why I think they are going to go with Highsmith for the vast majority of the time starting. I know things could change, but I do think if they're as high on him as they seem to be and as they say they are, play him now, and then you just if, – if it doesn't work out, you have the insurance policy. But I think if you don't start him and he's that third guy, you could really stunt his growth a little bit. And I, I do think that's why he's going to be the starter, regardless of the conversation of who has the higher ceiling this year. I think that the growth might get stunted a little bit if if they don't pull the trigger with Highsmith right now. Melvin Ingram is a Pittsburgh Steeler. You can take that to the bank. We just don't know how much money Melvin Ingram will be taking to his bank. We will probably know those details by tomorrow very soon. Uh, I promise we'll know the term of that one-year deal for Melvin Ingram. But on the next episode of the Steelers Standard, we're going to start in the AFC North, but we're going to look around the AFC, and we are going to talk about the most important player for each team in the AFC, excluding the quarterback position. So no quarterbacks allowed. Most important player for each team. Like I said, we'll get things going with a lengthy discussion about the AFC North because it's the most important and the best division ever invented in the history of all of sports. That's on the next episode of Steelers Standard. For Jacob Recht and Kellen Gursky, I'm Tom Opperman. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we will talk to you next time.